0: Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your hosts, the Rider Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle.
1: Hello and welcome to another special edition here of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. As we keep saying, week after week, we're... In the NBL off-season, but there's no shortage of things to talk about. And we've got another very special guest to bring to you this week. And hopefully you enjoy it. So I'm Chris Puck, your co-host. Let's Waste No Further Time. I'm joined, as always, by the scoring machine, the Perth Wildcats legend, Sean Reddage. And we're very lucky to be joined by the Brisbane Bullets shooting guard, the Australian Boomers shooting guard. He's a, He's a mainstay of the NBL now, having spent... Six years of the Cairns Taipans and now the last couple at the Brisbane Bullets. And I think impressively, he's committed to remain with the Bullets for the 2021 NBL season as well. So Cam Glidden is the man we're talking about. Plenty for us to discuss with him. He's become a father for the first time in the last seven months. We'll talk to him about how he's dealing with that. And I guess the bonus of getting to be at home with his daughter for plenty of time, thanks to COVID 19, we'll have a chat about the NBL coming up and how he decided to stay with the nbl despite the pay cuts which were discussions he was involved with we'll talk about his diff- the difficulties he went through last season and and how motivated he is to bounce back next season we'll have a chat about about everything from his battles with with sean reddish and the perth wildcats the potential of him of him finishing his career at the wildcats indeed and and everything in between. So, without any further ado, let's get to our chat here this week thanks to Hoops Heaven at hoopsheaven.com.au with Cam Glidden. Okay, I'm very pleased here on Hoops Heaven's basketball hustle during during this NBL off-season, during I guess what we're all dealing with during COVID-19 to to be joined by Cam Glidden. He's a WA boy, so we know him well, but, gee, he's made a great career for himself, whether it was over in college or then up at the Cairns Taipans, now at the Brisbane Bullets. Done some great things for the Australian Boomers as well. So plenty for us to dissect here. Here's Sean with Cam, and he's been good enough to join us. How do we find you this afternoon, Cam? I I think you've got a little baby that's keeping you pretty busy.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's
3: uh, it. Yeah, I've got to make sure she's down before I... uh... Um, get on and, and have a commitment like this. Um, <laughs> uh, she's pretty active at the moment, so if anyone guess when she wants to go to sleep, but thankfully
0: she's asleep now and I've got a bit of time. We, we, we won't hold you up too much, but we'll get get straight into it, Cam. How, uh, how is COVID-19 and ISO life um, affected you guys and, and your family, I guess, and, and also basketball as well?
3: Yeah, I mean, um, I think I was a bit naive when it first started kicking around that everything was going to be okay and um, we wouldn't be affected as as an NBL um, as an NBL player uh, being in our off season. But obviously, the fifty percent cuts have been pretty big, and obviously, uh, changes kind of your your outlook on on life and what kind of way you're living, I guess. Um, but in terms of how the family's gone. We've been great. We've just been um, enjoying the time together. I I know I probably won't get two, three, maybe in four months, depending how long this goes for, um, with my daughter uh, without having work commitments. So uh, that's the positive I'm looking at and and taking out of this whole situation. And um, being stuck at home, it's tough uh, mentally because um, I like to get out and and work hard and and, uh, do things and feel like I'm contributing to uh, whatever goals I have or whatever uh, job I have so that's a tough thing but being at home and uh, being with the daughter and the wife that's been
2: that's been good
1: too. Before we get into th- Yeah I think there's- sorry Sean. Before we get into some more basketball talk Cam, talk us through what it's like being a dad now for the first time and I guess the great positive out of being isolated at home is that you're getting to know your daughter pretty well pretty quickly.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's been unreal. Um, like I said, I don't think, you know, if, if I was to be, if, if this, um uh, infection wasn't, wasn't kicking around, I'd be going to training mm. and working out three to four times a week and having promos and other, you know, individual commitments. And, um, that's all good and, good and well. But I think it's been awesome to be at home and, and watching it grow. I think, um, when you're not a dad and, or, or a parent and you kind of, well, my impression was that, you know, they, they crawl, and then they walk, and then they talk, and then they get a tooth here. And, you know that that was kind of the progression, but there's so many more small milestones in between that i never knew that um, the babies had, and I never knew that was so special. So just her, you know, from when she was a such like a newborn to when she finally locks eyes on you and follows you around, or when they smile when you get home, and um, just small things like that. You know, it's been real rewarding to be able to. To, to be able to witness the, the whole thing. And I have people that, um, you know, have kids and they go, yeah, I was away when they took the mm. first step or I was away when this happened. So I've been able to see everything for a first um, seven
0: and a bit months. So it's been great. Do
1: you, remember, do you remember that with Dylan and Hayley, Sean? Or was it too long ago? No, hmm. uh,
0: yeah, you know, you don't, you don't forget that. Uh those toms and uh yeah i mean it is i mean they're nine and twelve now so it does feel a little bit uh like it's been ages ago and now with COVID 19 it feels like it's almost been centuries but um <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh no, it's, a, it's a special time and I, i'm you know that that love that you have uh, as soon as you you have a kid it's it's something uh something pretty unique and, and pretty special so um i think uh you, you're pretty lucky in the tom uh of I guess in your life of, of when this has kind of hit so uh I guess making the most of it sounds like how's your what was your plans going before covid-19 what was your plans in the off season then
3: yeah like I wasn't planning to play anywhere um I played in New Zealand last year really enjoyed it but this season I was going to take a bit of time off um personally the year that I had I felt like I didn't have a year that uh, up to my standards of which I'd kind of measure myself out and I wanted to get away from the game for about one, one or two months. So that, um, still happened obviously, but, um, yeah, I just wanted to get away and, and refresh myself and come back with, you know, a body that was ready to, um, start working without any niggles and, and try to put on a bit of weight, um, hit the weight room a bit more and work in, work individually on, on the things I need to get better at to help this team going forward. So, uh, I guess the first couple of months of the off-season were what they were going to be, and that was me taking top, some time away, being at home with the family, just going on little little short vacations with the, with the wife and the kid and um, just totally kind of flicking flicking off on the basketball side of things and then slowly uh, build my way back in. So I was up and running by season start. But, um, yeah, that was the plan, and, and it's kind of just prolonged that plan of keeping away. Um, but I'm itching to get back. I'm itching to start training. We did start some one-on-one training with the coaches, but uh, that's been shut down again. So right now, uh, we're left to our own devices and whatever kind of games we can make now are, are all personal. And um, we've got a little weights program here and there uh, that you can do at home, but, but that's, that's the extent
0: of it at the moment. When you talk about your last year, I mean, you you guys went into the playoffs, at NBL. Then you you said you went to you know you went to New Zealand, obviously in the World World Cup team, and then you come right back and you straight into the NBL. Did you feel your body just wasn't a hundred percent during that whole this last season? I know for myself personally, um, when I was with the, the Boomers in, in 08 and coming back in that 09 '09 season, it was just you almost kind of felt like you needed a little bit of a break before you went straight back into it.
3: Oh, I don't want to say that. Um, I'm not going to make any
2: excuses
3: for me not performing to the level I wanted to. I think when I went away with the World Cup, it was taxing, in a sense, on your legs and body, but I wasn't playing too much. And um, the way the load management is structured now, like I wasn't getting burned out. And then when I got back, I was actually easier to get back with the boys and actually um, get into some routine rather than living out of hotels for a month. Um, but yeah, I, I guess. I guess the main thing was kind of we, we kind of changed the way we play at the bullets. We kind of turned into a bit of run and gun and, and, and not much offense being ran, mainly just um, taking advantage of opportunities and mismatches and things like that. And I don't think I adjusted um, as quick as I should have, and that resulted in me kind of losing court time, and that kind of affected me um, mentally going forward. I was, I was a bit lost in, in what was going on, and um, yeah, I just want to put all that behind me and, and have a good year this year. But no, I wouldn't say I was, I was tired or burned out or anything like that. It was uh, mainly just not adjusting and, uh, yeah, perhaps not getting kind of the shots I was, I was getting the year before and, and the looks that made me uh, a bit more of an effective player.
0: Yeah, well, I think each team is, I mean, you, you make some good points there that probably the outside people don't always see in, in the scheme of things is each year you've got different personnels you've got different you know even even if you have the same coach they're going to tweak things they're going to run the system differently and then obviously your imports are going to um dictate how you play as well so it's something that uh you know you can't always just say well came back to the same team you're always going to have that same uh, same year um, so I think it's it uh, you know i I love the fact that you know you're kind of recognizing that and uh you know still able to have an effect you know maybe not didn't have as much offensively um as you uh as you had say in the past on some of the teams in Cairns and the year before in brisbane but I think for me the one thing I always loved about you as a player is you know it didn't matter how you were going on offensive and you were one of the toughest defenders um is that something that you you still um, kind of key in to, to make an impact when you're in the game.
3: Yeah. I mean, I appreciate you saying that. Um, especially from a wildcat, but, um, yeah, I mean, that you can't control the offense sometimes if your shots are going down or if you're getting the ball, but you definitely control your effort on defense. And, uh, I thought that throughout the year, I always brought it and I always brought that at practice too. So I can be proud of kind of the way I approach things, even when they weren't kind of going my way and. Um, I was shifting down in the pecking order, I guess, in terms of the, the offensive end. I, I make sure I continue to play hard defense and um, get after it on that end. And, and you're right; it is a way you can affect the game without without scoring. But um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, and I hope going forward that I can, you know, keep heat on the on the scoreboard as well as um, play toughly and and um, be a bit more of an all rounder player next year.
1: I think a lot yeah, of us. Good, sorry, good. I was going to say, just I think a lot of us, because of the way the season panned out for you, it was natural to assume that you might look to play elsewhere next season. But I think, in some ways, that might have been the the easy option. I think it. I think you deserve an enormous amount of credit for staying in Brisbane and wanting to wanting to, I guess, work it through now with the Bullets under Andre and, and find your way back to, I guess, that important role again on the same team. What sort of thinking was behind? deciding to, to stay in Brisbane?
2: Well, I
3: mean, I'm, I'm on a, I am I'm was on a two year deal, so I was always uh, locked into here. Um, sure. Opting out and going to Europe, all that uncertainty. But also, um, it wasn't just that. It was, I, I like playing in Australia. I like how the NBL's run. I like a six-month season, go all out, take a bit of a break, and then play maybe an extra half a year in, in Europe or um, mm. going to New Zealand. I kind of like that setup. Um, I've always enjoyed it playing the nbl i wouldn't say when i was a kid my main aim was i've got to get to the nbl but since i've been here it's i've enjoyed every minute of it um so i was never really i think my agent called me and asked what i was in what i wanted to do and i said it for every option um come back to me but it's kind of too early right now to feel out europe and see it like i, I don't think my agent could come back to me and say hey i've got a I've got a deal for you in Germany that will start whenever the season's going Mm. to commence and you're going to get paid this much money and it's all locked in. Like, I don't think it's possible at the moment. So Mm. I I chose to stick around and, um, yeah, we'll see what happens next year. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, if anything, I'm probably more motivated to have a good year than I ever have I mean my first year coming in I was unknown in Cairns um, well unknown in the league when I went to mm. Cairns and that's enough motivation in itself to prove you can play and then when I moved to Brisbane six years later change of team change of scenery got to show that I'm that I can play in another city and, and that I'm not a one one team kind of show and, and I feel I did that and now I've got a bit more motivation as to come back from kind of my worst statistical year I guess you could say and uh yeah that's enough for me to stay
1: what about the fact that you've got nathan Sobey and jason Kady locked in to come back as well we'll wait and see what happens on the the import side of things but to know that your back called is pretty much locked in to, to come back again um i'm sure the three of you are pretty excited about what you can do
3: yeah yeah definitely um Soby obviously brings that speed to the game uh jace brings that creative side to things and can shoot shoot the three really well and i kind of bring that space before shoot the three and Make good decisions off the on balls and I think we've got a bit of everything there and if we can bring, um, an import in similar to Lamar, to who can really score the ball yeah. and I really don't know what they're looking for else, um, to, to fill that second spot or anything like that. Yeah. But with Magne at the four and Hodgie just opted out, but mm. you know, there's still the chance that he opts back in depending sure. on circumstances. I think we've got a pretty good, um, Aussie kind of contingent there and then you just build your imports around that. And, uh, yeah, I think it would be pretty dangerous. I think it was dangerous this year. We just kind of left it too long to become that team we wanted
2: to be.
0: Well, talk about that that opt-in-out portion. And obviously the NBL came out. The the you know the, the higher earners were going to, you know, up to a 50% pay cut. What was the, I guess, feeling amongst the players through that whole kind of couple-week transition period where everyone didn't really know, where everything sat
3: yeah um i was i'm one of the delegates of the bullets, myself and jason and kitty so we were in contact with jay jacob Holmes a bit earlier than when it all went down obviously and he came at us with the uh, i mean the initial shock with the first call was you know the owners and blah 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 want to take 50 percent and that came out of nowhere because like i said a bit naive before that thinking we're off season we'll Nothing is going to happen. So from from thinking nothing to thinking fifty percent was a huge shock, and then it went a, maybe a week where they were back and forth, and we thought perhaps it was going to get lowered to maybe twenty or twenty five, thirty percent, which is still is it's tough, but it, it's a bit more manageable than fifty, obviously. And um but then it came back again as no fifty is the is the number. That's where it's going to be, and we're going to try to negotiate other things um, in terms of insurances and. Uh, opt-in, opt-out, all that stuff. So, no, it was pretty tough, man. Like, it's hard. Um, a lot of people were comparing to other codes, you know, the AFL, the, the rugby and the cricket, how they're handling it, and people are getting stood down in the A-League, and blah, blah, blah. At least we're not doing that. But then our argument was, hey, we're in the off-season, like, Mm. Um, our money should have been made from last season um, and this season this time of year isn't a time of year where money's flooding into the clubs anyway so why is this why is that there was a lot of questions asked there was a lot of guys that were heated obviously no one's just going to take 50% and be happy with it so yeah and I, I guess the alternative is you opt out and you hope another league around the world gets up and running um, where Australia's probably handling this crisis the best so I don't know man like I'm still Oh, I mean, I was on my first paycheck last week, I think, and looking at those numbers compared to the week before wasn't too fun but uh what can, what can you do
0: yeah, no, I guess that was the the, the interesting thing when I kind of first heard it was you know the season doesn't start for October and most of these these clubs um, obviously this time of year that're not really bringing in revenue. Was there talk of maybe just postponing that so you guys could have a better view of I mean, I think initially we, we looked at COVID nineteen, you thought it was gonna be here for for a really long time and the initial um I guess prospects of it all. But now it looks like you're right, Australia's handling this well. Is there a chance you go back and kind of renegotiate that at some stage if, if things are, are almost back to, to somewhat normal?
3: Yeah, I mean I don't wanna I don't know what I can and can't evolved I guess but that as a playing group that was I guess the first thing we said was well, well let's pump the brakes and wait a bit. Why do we have to um formulate a, a, a plan or a decision right now when we've got this time. Um and that's the way a lot of guys saw it and then the opposite of that was no we need to come up with something immediately to protect your jobs, I don't know. A lot of things are hearsay. You know, you hear something from someone, you or know, maybe it was just a few teams were were asking for it to be done quick because they're a bit more financially um, unstable compared to the others, or this and that. But I don't know what I can say there. But we definitely the first thing was, hey, we need more time, more time to gather our thoughts, um, especially in a big negotiation like that. Um, you don't want to just take the first. Option you want to sit down and talk it out and brainstorm some other opportunities, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I guess from from I guess looking at it from the outside now, you just hope with the league you're able to um still keep you know those those key key guys that really bring so much excitement to the league. I think you know it's no secret that from you know when when you entered the league and, and to where it is now, the talent level has just um, has just exploded, so I think all the fans are just hoping we can keep uh, keep this talent level here in the NBL because it's been, been pretty fun to watch.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you see Bryce opt out, Casper, Xavier Cooks. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen and nobody does, but um, it would be a shame if we had to take a bit of a backward step, um, but I think, I guess we already have by taking these cuts, um, but, it's all about, I guess, it's cliche that how do you deal when you get knocked down, how, how do you deal with getting back up? And I'm sure if these games this year sell out and we do well, you'd think the nBA would give back maybe some of the salary that, that they've promised to give back if if the numbers of the games or the revenue took uh for the clubs is where it needs to be, and, and hopefully imports, if they do sit out this year or go chase money elsewhere, they come back the following year. I, I hope it's not a, a long term thing that we're we're dealing with in terms of um, people turning their back on the league.
1: Fascinating to get your thoughts in an overall picture, in in a lifestyle sense. Obviously, you grew up in the in the in the south southwest of WA, but but since you've come back from college, you've been you've been a been a been a Queensland. Queensland man obviously you, you spent the, the six years up in Cairns and now a couple of years in Brisbane is Queensland starting to feel like home or will WA always feel like home what feels like home for you?
3: <laughs> uh, that's a tough question man um, <laughs> I guess uh, I don't know home is what you make it. I guess but sure. I'm really into it, Cairns and um, I think it could have played my career out there if things went a bit different. And mm-hmm. I really enjoyed Brisbane and I could live here the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. In saying that, I, I enjoyed living in Canberra. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I'm just easier to please. I don't know. But yeah, I, I don't know where I call home. I'd, I'd say just where, where the missus and the kid is. And, um, I enjoy going back to Bunbury and seeing the majority of my family. He lives there still. My brother is in Melbourne now and my sister and her family up in Dungalow. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know how to answer that, I
2: guess.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm an adult now. I go where I need to go for work, and uh, you make, it, make out of it what you make out of it. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure, well, I hope I've got a few more years left in this game, and, uh, you know, maybe Brisbane don't want me next year, and I'm on the road again, and then mm. a new place is my home, you know?
1: I don't think Wertho ever imagined himself ending up back in Bunbury, but he's there at the moment, and he was going to be coaching the, the Slammers in this SBL season before it was cancelled, and I'd assume he'll still be coaching them next year once the league gets up and running. Any chance we <laughs> might see you at the at the Slamers back in Bunbury at some stage with with Weather? Uh,
3: I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not for the guess, I think um I think when I'm done playing NBL, and I'm saying this now, it could change, but I think sure. I'll be done totally with basketball. Um, I don't think I'll be playing in any state leagues or anything like that, nothing against it. I think I'll just, if I'm done with the NBL, it's because my body's burned out and I can't go any longer.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. You you get people like like Sean, who's still playing in the SBL, and then you get guys like, that we've spoken to recently, like like Ricky Grace and Stevie Way, who, once they retire from the NBL, they just go go cold turkey. I guess that's, once you're a professional, you give it everything, and once you retire, some guys just feel like you, you need to move on to something else and give the body a break, I guess.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean Sean obviously carrying on playing for the for the Redbacks a little bit there and um mm. uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess it will be down to the love of the game if I'm still if I'm still craving it. Maybe if I go from training five days a week and playing in the NBL to nothing, maybe I'll need that two days a week training and mm-hmm. a game on the weekend with the lads, you know. Maybe I'll lose that team sense of team and sense of belonging with a bunch of lads and going on roadies and things like that. Mm. So i will never say never to it but um yeah, I, I can't see myself living. I don't think I'll be living in Bunbury, so the slanders sure. thing's probably off the
1: card. <laughs> um, I mean, you've, you've easily got, we you know, five years plus left of a professional basketball career, so we don't need to worry about it just yet. But I think this, <laughs> this COVID-19 period has given a lot of people a chance to sort of sit back and, and reflect on their life and where they want it to head. Has it given you a chance to think post-basketball what you might want to do for the rest of your life?
3: Yeah, it has. Um, it's funny. I uh yeah, I've started a course. I won't mention what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I fail it, <laughs> I don't want everyone to know what a failure I was. No, I just don't <laughs> I'll keep it close
2: to my chest. <laughs> but I've
3: actually uh got a really good mate I went like, to college with, uh named Ben Smith. He lives in Western Australia, down Mandra area. Place of Mandra Magic, Sean, you might have played against him. He uh He's a PE teacher and also runs the school basketball program at his uh, high school that he works at. And I thought that might be a sweet gig. So I've actually started talking to a few, a few um, universities and looking to extend my education and maybe become a PE slash basketball specialist kind of teacher at a school. So that's one thing, but um, I've always got my ears open and I've always um, thought about coaching, um, actually in professional or college ranks and i think with basketball you're lucky enough if, if you're a good enough bloke and um you know you, you got a bit of basketball like you i think networking is pretty easy within the basketball community i know a lot of people and I, I wouldn't mind stepping into a assistant coaching role anywhere and um trying to you know keep in the game that way and uh change try to Win a championship from the
0: coach's perspective. Mm. Well, you talk about Ben Smith. Uh, yeah, he's a uh, he's a great guy. He's actually not sure what he's told you, but he's helping coach coach me as well um, in my program. So um, we enjoy uh, enjoy Ben uh, helping out. So there you go, Cam. If uh, when, once you finish Reddish basketball, is always hiring. So uh, get in touch. You could be placed with like a or something, wouldn't you? <laughs> right, we'll, we'll find a perfect fit for you. You just have to finish your career with the wildcats So, <laughs> good deal on the on the recruiting pathway already.
1: Has it ever been a consideration for you, Cam, seriously, to play play in the, in your home in your home hometown, or has it just been a case that a, a serious offers never come from from that side, so you've never had anything to consider?
3: Nah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I was tossing up Perth and Brisbane before leaving Cairns. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, um, it's a weird win. thing. They've got a great culture there that's known to everyone. Um, they know how to win. That's known to everyone. Something about me would love to win a championship in another team, which is, it's yeah. weird to say, but you know, Wildcats are so accustomed to winning. Um, it sounds weird, but if I went there, I don't really know how to put this, and we won it. I wouldn't feel like uh, maybe a big part of it because they've always had they're, that they're expected culture. to
1: culture.
3: Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird thing there, and that's not the only reason. Um, I think uh, I developed a relationship with Ray playing Boomers, the f- maybe first six years in Cairns, so I, I knew what I was getting into. Whereas Trevor, I, I wasn't too familiar with, apart from maybe one one Olympic campaign where I uh, went to a tryout. So I think it was a lot to do with familiarity and just knowing what my role was going to be. Um, I think also they had Glasscott at the time, and he's at the two, Damo's at the one. Um, they're kind of set with their pieces, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm not going to come in and uh, play the same role um, in Perth that I was going to in Brisbane. So a lot, a lot of things go into it, but I don't, I wouldn't write it off. Mm-hmm. But um, as time goes on and I get older, their need or their want for me probably becomes less.
1: Is your wife from WA or where did, where did you two meet?
3: No, we met at college. She's okay. uh, we met in Southern California, but she's originally from Portland, Oregon.
1: Okay, she's happy yeah. living in Australia. Is the is the plan to stay here now for for good?
3: Yeah, well, we had that discussion the other day. Someone said, "Are you are you happy here? Are you thinking about going back?" And she, yeah, she's quite happy here. Um, mm-hmm. Portland, Oregon, is um, rains about ten months of the year, and mm-hmm. then those other two months are uh, a bit of sun. But um, she enjoys the sun, enjoys getting outside, and um, I think Brisbane, uh, Perth, Cairns, Melbourne, Sydney, all that, they, they offer that a bit more than, than Portland, Oregon. Yeah. I think if we moved back there, that's where we'd be. So um, we'd even move back there to live close to her family, which would be Portland, or live anywhere in Australia. And I think, I think she's coming around.
0: Well, I think, I think you're in the right spot at the moment, um, Australia, rather than uh, what's happening over in the U.S. currently. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing she's pretty glad she's the whole family's living over here at the moment.
3: That's true man um well, I guess the one other thing about having a kid doing this stuff, and it's been great for me to be home, but the other the other the bad thing I guess is she hasn't been able to meet you know her extended family, uncles aunties grandparents, no one's been allowed to travel, mm-hmm. so that's been that's been quite a shame, and um we we're planning to go like this off season' we're planning to go over to the u s a to um Sarah's sister was getting married and um can't go to that, so Sarah's going to miss her sister getting married and all her family and grandparents and aunties and uncles are going to miss seeing Penny at this age. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of, uh, a bit of a bit of a stain on the whole thing too.
1: Is it strange talking to Sean, given the battles you had on the court against him, and, and how heated some of some of those rivalries, especially when you had playoff battles with Cairns and the Wildcats, is it, is it strange now actually talking to someone like Sean off the court and, and maybe try, trying to forget about some of those? Battles that you had or confrontations you might have got into?
3: Nah, man, it's all it's all white line fever, eh? Like, mm-hmm. if you are... Uh, I can talk to anyone in the league and... I mean, there's people on the court that you hate.
2: Mm. Um,
3: I mean, I wasn't too far. I didn't enjoy playing against Sean. Um, but it's not because I hated him. Mm. I don't enjoy playing against Damo. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy playing against Chris Golding, you know? But off the court, having a chat, chewing the fat about everything. And um, it's funny... I went to the playoffs three times and every semi-finals we've met the Wildcats. Yeah. So uh, the first time we beat them, when we went to the grand final, the second time they smacked us. And when I was in Brisbane and we yeah. met them, um, they beat us again. So uh, very familiar with them in the finals.
0: Yeah, it did seem like uh, can We met quite a bit um, in the finals. And, you know, I think just speaking from... My teammates, we always had a tremendous amount of respect for for the way you guys went about it. Um and just you know, I think you guys just had that small market chip on your shoulder and it just uh just seemed like you played with a lot of pride um representing Kansas that did you guys kinda take that as a as kind of a badge of honor when you when you stepped out on the court?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think what as one of the leaders there and with Stevie Way a lot of that time as well, like we kind of saw that we don't have the budget of the big teams. We're not going to attract the imports that they can possibly attract. So we got to do everything right in the lead up to have a chance to win. So we took culture really seriously. Uh, we trained super hard. Fernie was a nutcase at training, but it was what we needed. Um, and we just valued kind of the little things, making sure we're on top of recovery, making sure we ticked every box so when it came to the game, um, the bigger known teams that could, you know, afford the the top notch talent, uh, we were ready to go up against them because we had done the, the preparation and that's what we kind of um that that's where we kind of took that small town team was, you know, we have to do everything right, we have to be ready and uh if we come out and and even like scout, like we we used to do an hour of scout the day of the game at shoot around. Like we took everything to the extreme, so we were we were ready. Um, and I think that's why we were pretty successful. Obviously, we haven't won in uh, in we Haven't won the championship yet. But um, I thought we we were tough every night, and uh, we made every game every game tough. And when we got the chance to get to the playoffs, we uh, yeah we, we we made the most of it, whether we, we won or lost.
0: Yeah, it was always a. Uh, you knew it was going to be a tough, grind-out battle. Uh, whenever, you, whenever we played you guys, and uh, you know, enjoyed that challenge. Very rarely did we get a get a win up there in cans. I don't know if it was the humidity or what, but we just uh, we just wouldn't cope, cope well up there. But you know, I, I always ask a, a, you know, a couple questions. Um, one of the things I wanted to find out: give me your top three. Toughest players that you had had to play. You know, eight years in the league now. You've had some NBA guys that you teammates or, or gone up against. Who 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 do you rate probably um, in those top three?
3: Yeah, right. Um, I guess just because I'm thinking right now about this past season, Blaak Cotton. Just the way I think it's so impressive that he's not like a six foot six scorer that can get his shot off. Um, with ease because of his height and his length. He, like, everything he shoots is contested. Um, every time he goes into the paint, he looks like he's 10 years old, you know, but he still scores the ball. Like, um, I just imagine, like, when I catch and shoot the ball for three, I know I'm gonna get it off because I'm six foot five and, um, I'm pretty long. But for him, he's short. He's, he's, he's not a long dude and I'm just, Every shot must be so tough, and he makes it look so easy. So I think Bryce Cotton is probably number one for me in terms of the offensive end. I think uh, defensively and offense combined, I remember the early years of Kev Lish when I came in the league, 2012, 13, 14. He was, he was a handful um, because he had to guard him down one end, but then on the other end, too, he wasn't letting you get, get your shot off. So um, he was really tough to deal with. and. Um, I don't know about number three, who, who I've struggled or who I've... I've got a lot of respect for everyone that kind of plays in the league and brings it
0: every night. Um, I'll, give, I'll, give you, I'll give you two options. Tory Craig or Lamar Patterson? Who are you putting in the three?
2: <laughs>
0: oh. Man, that's tough because they're completely different players.
3: <laughs> completely. Lamar is... He, he, he can score on anyone at any time and not look like he's dropped a bit of sweat. <laughs> Tory can catch mobs from anywhere and he's a defensive minded mm. guy who can take you out of the game by blocking shots. Like I don't think Lamar's blocking many shots or catching <laughs> many mobs, but I don't think Tory's going one on one with the type of confidence and, and talent that L P has. So in that sense, if I'm if it's hard for me to guard one of them it'd be it'd be Lamar. Um yeah, it'd be Lamar in terms of offensive talent for sure.
0: Yeah, Lamar Patterson. You know, when he first came into the league, I think he had his first game in Adelaide and didn't didn't really show much. And I think everyone was kind of wondering what what you know what was what was happening here. But he really impressed everyone. I think over the last couple of years. But you're, I think he just looks so smooth. He never looks like he's out of first gear. But he just. Gets by people with ease, and mm. uh, can find a way to the basket.
3: Yeah, it was funny in Perth actually this uh, year. We were, I think it was one of close to the last games of the year. Uh, Perth won, but there was guys behind me in the crowd, and they just kept yelling at Lamar, and they mm. were calling him fat. They were like, "Lamar, you're fat, um, you suck," blah blah blah. But Lamar had like eighteen points, and the next closest to him was like six. Um. He was just, he's so tough to guard and uses his body so well. And uh, yeah, it, it's just funny. It, it's actually funny when he catches it on the elbow, how easy he makes it look. And it's—and that training, that's the only time I get to guard him, obviously, not in the games, But it, it's the same way. It's just, uh, it's pretty ridiculous. And his strength is also something that makes him tough. The amount of hand ones he can get going to the rim, he gets hit pretty hard and it doesn't affect his shot whatsoever. It makes him pretty tough.
1: Well, he hit a game-winner like that, didn't he? I think it might have been against. Oh, it Might have been Cairns. I forget who it was against, but he hit a game-winner where he just got an end one just because of his brute strength.
0: I think that was Adelaide. Yeah, you, yeah. I
1: think you're right. Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah. Is there a chance he could come back to you guys next year?
3: I, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I, we haven't really been talking about next year. I don't think anyone kind of knows. That has any idea what's going to happen, but, um, I think he, he was offered something, but he, he's one of those guys that kind of wait, wait and, and sees what else is up, um, available, because obviously he goes to China at times and can earn that really big check. So I think he usually, like this year he signed with us, like really late, might have been June or July. Um, but yeah, that's, that's anyone's guess at the moment, man.
0: Well, th- thanks for uh, taking out. The, I know when uh, when you got a baby, that's sleeping. that's precious time. So uh, <laughs> we really appreciate you uh, taking the time and filling us uh, in on on you know how ISO life is going and um, you know what your goals are and, and what you're looking forward to next season. We're I know we're looking forward to uh, NBL season starting back up and, and seeing you out there on the court uh, playing on both ends. And and I know you're gonna. Have, it sounds like. Um, you're pretty motivated. Have a great year. So thanks for uh, taking the time out and uh, having a chat to us. No
3: worries, man. I hey, I I had a question for you, Sean. This is really weird, but um, I thought I think about it quite a lot, right? So Wildcats probably the most oh, they are the most successful NBL team, and especially in the last sort of decade, right? And you've run the flex every single time down the court, or a bit of a bit of horns, but mainly the flex. Do you yeah. find it weird that no
0: team has kind of adopted that. That's um, it's actually funny because I now I'm into coaching and um, you know following people on social media and that type of thing. And and I read a blog recently about someone saying how the flex offense was a dying offense. You know, no one's run it since the '90s. No one's been successful at running it since 2000. And I'm sitting here thinking, <laughs> <laughs> the Wildcats just won. What is it? Six of the last 11 championships. Um, obviously, five with with Trevor Gleason since he's brought it. The the one thing I will say about the flex, though, is it's just kind of a starter um you know i think then it gets then there's so many different options and i think that's probably one thing that trevor's done a good job of is not just sticking with that with the flex but all the, just using it to kind of break things open a little bit but uh you make yeah. a good point and uh you know no one's asked that question so uh mm-hmm. to me it tells you you're a student of the game and uh <laughs> you know well, but it's I, I, uh,
2: I, just,
3: I just remember you know when the Breakers won a few running the flow. The flow went everywhere. You know, Cairns did it. A, a bunch of teams did it. The Boomers started doing it. And then you guys run the flex. And, yeah, you've got a bunch of options. You've got, like, you can not run the flex. You can steal the cut and pop up top for a jumper, which is Bryce, Cotton, and Quinn. Or you've got you or Jesse that it, it turns into kind of a double, like, the staggers, the double staggers, Um, to steal, steal that cut and get your shot. So you've got all this. And you've also got the the demo run all the way to the right hand side of the court, then all the way back to get a back cut. You've got all these plays that no one's really stolen off you guys. And you've got the blueprint of the same kind of um team you kind of build. You get the import two, the import three, the four on the five, that uh, four four shooter, the big five man and demo at the one, whereas people aren't looking at that and going, Shit, maybe we should do what they've been doing. They've had a bit of success with it. Uh, it's just weird to me.
0: Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point too. I hadn't really thought that. You know, yeah. It's a. They always say thing Leagues are a copycat leagues. So as soon as something is successful, you yeah. kind of see everyone going towards it. I, I think one of the things with the flex too, you really need everyone to kind of buy into it. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, if you get one person that's kind of goes out of it, it almost makes it a really poor offense to run. So um, you've got to make sure you've got a, a personnel that can really buy in and then also is is pretty, um, I guess, basketball IQ. So has, mm-hmm. is able to kind of make those reads. I think, you know, at the elite level, everyone's got to – Baseline basketball IQ, or they haven't really got there, but I do think you know you need some high IQ guys, but you also need some some guys that buy in. But, um, oh, so are are you saying that maybe Brisbane might be running the flex next year, Cam?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, we
3: haven't had a team training yet, but uh, no, I, don't think, I don't think so. But it's always fascinating, and I did it a bit in college, um, and I liked it, and um. It is all still like you say, and people, I don't know, I didn't think this name was dying out, because I feel like it's still like, it's, it's tough to guard, man, how do you guard the flex? Do you go over, do you force him under, do you pop, pop him and make him go under, but then the other guy can feel the cut because you're in the wrong position? There's all sorts of stuff. I mean, when Maddie Knight used to set the flex screen and then just pop to the short corner and skip it to him. But like, there's just yeah. so many options, like, um and that's what a good offense is, right? You got the structure but you've got a thousand options so no one can take everything away. Um and I don't know, man. I, I just thought it was interesting, like the flow went everywhere, uh, the shuffle kinda of went everywhere, like the flex has kind of stuck with you guys and you keep winning.
0: Yeah, well, you, you know, it's the first practice with some of the imports, and you're kind of telling them that we're running the flex, and they, they're odds when you like, really,
2: this is what we're running?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I hear that, but yeah, no, anyway, yeah, sorry, man, I just thought I'd get uh, my observations
2: there.
0: No, 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 I appreciate that. No, thanks uh, Thanks for that. That was uh, that was good, but uh, hopefully, um, hopefully you got, got a little bit
3: out of it. Care. I know we did. No, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on, and um, I'll be happy to do it any time.
1: Thanks, game appreciate it.
3: Cheers, boys.